Welcome back to the Warehouse Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jesse. And I'm Eli. And this is the episode that is going to serve as our season preview for the 2023 Baltimore Orioles. Um, it's a little bit different this year, guys. Are, how, how are you feeling heading into 2020? We're recording this about a week or six days before opening day. It's probably going to get released a little bit after that. Um, but yeah, Jesse, how are you feeling? It's nice to be an Orioles fan and not be heading into the season thinking we may be losing 100 games this year. And are we going to lose 100? Are we going to lose 98? You know, that kind of thing. So uh, from that perspective, I'm feeling really excited about it. So we might even be 500. We might. We might. There are some prognosticators out there that don't agree, but. Right. um, We'll be. We're, hmm? we're we're gonna turn into some pro- prognosticators later. So <laughs> it's yeah. a tough word to say. I had issues myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eli, how are you? Uh, I feel pretty good. Um, I, I think this year holds a like nice combination of a floor of performance, and I think the floor is just below five hundred, and the potential for more with some of these prospects coming up. With you know the second year of Adley the one and a half year of gunner um mm-hmm. like I, I i don't know i think it's gonna be great we're gonna get to see grayson rodriguez on an mlb mound for the first time knock on wood on opening um, or on on the opening day roster yes or no we'll we'll talk about that yeah also um, just want to make it clear that our excitement about the season does not in any way let elias off the off the hook for his nonsense this off season. so well, yeah Again, nonsense that we talked about last that, podcast. Yeah, but, but there's still debate over that. whether it's Elias or Angelos. In any case, well, the front that's, office. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Well, and and the news this this week of uh, they're opening up a new restaurant. It's like a sports book restaurant replacing Dempsey's in the warehouse. Uh, they might be selling the naming rights to Oriole Park. Um, all terrible, awful things that right. are. And they took the sun sign down. Yeah, I know. I. I have did, kind of do they like mixed feelings there. I don't know. Did they expect us to just like look at the scoreboard to figure out whether it was a hit or an error, <laughs> like the rest of the world does? Yeah, I I think it's it's another uh, Angelo's son idea to make a little bit more money. The son apparently wasn't paying for the spot for a couple of years, um, right. and I've got whole thoughts on the Baltimore Sun. Anyway, yeah, but that's fair. <laughs> well, the the paper has really deteriorated over the years steadily. Um, this is this is not a newspaper podcast. <laughs> it's not even printed in the city anymore. It's printed in Delaware. That's so bad. I did not know that. I didn't either. But that's that's terrible. Okay. But, but once yeah. again, this is not a newspaper yeah. podcast. But we also, <laughs> I, I mean, I agree with you. I like seeing the hit of the air thing on that. You know, that was nice. It was a nice. So they can get another feature. sponsor that pays that has an H and an E in the name. I guess as long as you have the word the, it'll work yeah. out. Yep. The warehouse podcast. Uh, <laughs> we also cannot pay, but we would yeah, love. Right. To. Well, I mean, this is announcing our GoFundMe, right? <laughs> so they everybody put... come donate, and we will. Uh, we'll make it whatever color you guys want. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Got to be black and orange, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> well, that uh, just... what we're gonna do this episode is kind of gonna preview the roster for the year, talk about some of the spring training storylines that are wrapping up this week. Um, kind of you know kind of delve into different things as we go through the roster and then at the end we'll give some predictions on our win-loss record mvp team cy young 
um, rookie of the year. And then if there's any other wild predictions we want to make, I guess we'll throw them in there at the end. But um, let's kind of just go through the roster right now and, and get a feel for um, how things are there. Because I think, and Eli and I were talking about this before we started recording, there's like a lot of stability this year that we haven't exactly had in seasons prior. You said it's the second year of Adley. Um, Gunner is going to play on the infield somewhere. Um, but it just feels like there are less question marks on this year's team. Um, so I guess I'll just kind of go through sort of sort of where we're looking right now as far as like the everyday lineup, which is Adley behind the plate, Mountcastle at first. Second base is a bit of a question mark. I think maybe that's something worth delving into, but it does seem like Ramon Urias and Adam Frazier are kind of the top options there. Jorge Mateo at shortstop, Gunnar Henderson at third. Again, some question marks there. And then the outfield right now seems to be Mullins, Santander, and Hayes. Although um, we could see Kyle Stowers sneak into the starting lineup more often. And then on the bench, we got McCann behind the plate. Um, one of Urias or Frazier, likely Taryn Vavra, question mark. Um, and then Ryan McKenna and Stowers are the other outfielders in the mix. So let's stop there and maybe kind of go back to some of the things that were question marks there. I'll start at second base and maybe let's talk about that a little bit. Eli, how are you feeling about the Orioles second base situation uh, with what feels like Ramon Urias and Adam Frazier, but I'm not totally sure that that's the situation. What's your read on it? Uh, I, I think the thing to say is like, despite the uncertainty, I think it's, I, I don't know, calling it a stable position with uncertainty is kind of oxymoronic, so to speak. But, um, I, you know, like, I think either way we go, both of them are pretty, uh, like, they're both plus defenders. I think that either way, you know, who whoever is in the lineup on a given day, that will be, a, you, you know, like a solid boon to a pitching staff that's still developing, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I think we'll have a strong middle of the infield. Um, and I think, like, I don't know, interestingly enough, you know, infield defense is kind of, like, one of the biggest strengths of this Orioles team, I think. I think pretty much all the way around the di- diamond, we're, uh, yeah, I-, I-, I think we're solid. So I-, I think that we might see a little bit of platooning. Um, I think that Adam Frazier is going to be interesting. Obviously, he had the really, really good year. Uh, two years ago had the terrible year last year so I, I think that there's there are questions but I feel good about it however it shakes out I guess is the simple thing um, I don't know Jess what do you think yeah I mean I think that makes sense I think the Orioles are going to be clearly in a much better situation at second base than we were last year normally I would think that uh, I, I mean my tendency would be to think that uh, Urias has the edge at second base, but Frazier was the guy who we signed and we went out of our way to go get. So uh, that kind of makes me think the Orioles are sort of looking at Frazier maybe as the, the, the main second baseman. And then maybe Urias is going to come off the bench for him and then probably play other positions too. play a third for Gunner every once in a while. I think that's where Gunner is going to be. And then, you know, even when in the infrequent uh, situations, when Mateo gets a rest day, play, uh, play some short, but um, so I think obviously Urias is a, a flexible option who could play multiple defensive infield positions. 
Um, so I think it's likely that, uh, yeah, Frazier is going to be the, the main guy at second base, just from early indications from the Orioles. Yeah, that does seem to be the situation. I think your point's a good one, Jesse, that like, you know, that's the guy they went and signed. I think they have some belief there. And I think on the Urias situation, I've felt for a little while now that the Orioles don't really love Urias as a middle infielder I think like second base they like him better than shortstop obviously but he got hurt I think sometime in 2021 and was playing a lot of short at the time and since that they've kind of like shied away from him on the middle infield um and so that's kind of why I'm sort of thinking Frazier is more of the second baseman most days and then I think we're going to see Jorge Mateo on the bench more often than we did last year and I think Gunner's going to slide over and you see Urias play a lot of third um, because he, I mean, the guy just won the gold glove at third base and that's not nothing. Um, right. so that's sort of my read on the situation. Uh, but Jesse, you seemed a little bit unsure when I talked about Gunner sliding around. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I guess I think the Orioles probably would like to find him a solid position and I think it makes sense kind of how this lineup is looking to have him play third base every day um, or almost every day or rest him, you know, Um, ideally I think it's not great for him to be moving around a bunch. Um, And I also think, uh, I, I also think that Mateo it's likely will get similar playing time to what he did last year. I don't think he's really going to play substantially less than he did last year. I don't know. I mean, the thing with Mateo is that, you know, we talked about the uh, the rule change stuff, I think, before the podcast and how it's going to feed into Mateo's skill set a little bit. I mean, that that's sort of an X factor there that maybe we don't know about yet. But he was just so poor at the plate last <laughs> year that I think you can have Mateo as sort of a super utility option. They like we he, he played some um some center field today in the game that happened that the day we're recording. Um I think you can get a lot of his value by stashing him on the bench a lot of the time, bringing him in 7th, 8th, ninth inning as a pinch runner, as a defensive replacement uh to get a lot of the value that he does provide without the negative that his bat is most of the time while, but at the same time, I do agree. Like I would prefer for Gunner to have a set position. And I think third base probably is the better choice for him long-term, but the Orioles are moving him around a lot in the spring. They're not treating him like he is the third baseman. He's playing equal time pretty much at short and at third. Um, So the Orioles actions don't tell me that he is like the third baseman. Um, but it's also spring training and that might not matter at all. So I don't know. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I think it's in the Orioles interest to keep working Gunner at short uh, just because, you know, like you don't know how the team's going to look in even two years Um, for right now. It, yeah, it makes sense to like have him playing third base because we do have such a stellar defensive shortstop, but yeah, I mean, that could change pretty quickly. And as some of these infield prospects start pushing their way up and all this stuff is changing around Gunner, you know, the optimal alignment might not end up there. So keep the flexibility, but then again, to Jesse's point, whether they do that in the game or whether, you know, that's getting ground balls before the game at shortstop. uh, I'm not totally sure. I, I think I like, 
I think I tend to lean Jesse's way on this. Um, I, I think that like Mateo at short, Gunner at third is the alignment for two thirds of our games this year. Um, and, well, two thirds of the first half is what I'll say. Right. Um, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think some things will start to change when the Ortizes, the Norbies, the Westbergs of the world start pushing their way up and second base gets more and more crowded. But um, I don't know. I, I think the short answer is I think we are going to trade somebody by the time the deadline rolls around, maybe two people out of our infield, and uh, that will give us our answers then. <laughs> I, I'm in agreement with that. And yeah, I th- I think, right. I think it is possible potentially um, that uh, it does end up being Mateo that gets traded at the deadline. I think that is a real possibility. Um and I also think the one other thing I would say, Tyler, uh, about his offense is, yes, obviously, you know, we know Mateo struggles at the plate, especially relative to his defense. A little bit of that is offset by his well, not maybe offset is not the right word, but uh, he does compensate for it a, a little bit by his his speed on the base pass. So that that does help, you know, when, you know you know, you could theoretically bump up his, you know, slugging percentage a little bit because when he gets a single, you know, sometimes it's actually a double, you know, cause he steals second or whatever. Sure. So, um, but, but overall, I mean, you're right, uh, that we have legitimate offensive concerns with Mateo. So I do think it is possible, especially with the prospect depth, the Orioles have that he does end up getting traded at the deadline. And in a situation like that, of course, you know, other people, Ortiz and Westberg are in play for shortstop, but it's also very possible at that point then uh, that uh, Henderson would move over to short. So I, I think I agree with you, too. He's obviously a capable shortstop. I think I would prefer him at third, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, you know... So, from the Orioles perspective, maintaining some flexibility, right. in where he's going to play does, does make sense. Right. I mean, in his offensive profile, he would be a, a star as a shortstop, even like an average fielding shortstop. But if he has the power and the ability to play, he does, he's a star shortstop. Whereas he's a little more not run of the mill necessarily, but a little closer to the average that you get at third base. But if he's a gold glove caliber third baseman, then, you know, you're talking about, in the in the Nolan Arenado type of conversation, maybe not quite there, obviously right away, but eventually. Um, and I think another element of this, not necessarily the major league pic- picture this year, but going into twenty twenty four, is what Jackson Holiday can do, where he starts, maybe with Aberdeen, um, like we've talked about before, half the season with Aberdeen, half the season with Bowie, and then that puts him on pace to debut sometime in Baltimore in twenty twenty four. Right. He's going to be the shortstop, I think, ahead of Gunner. It seems at least the way they talk about him from a fielding perspective. He's a little bit of a smaller guy, a little more uh, not not necessarily more athletic, but a little uh, more slight of frame that seems to fit a little bit better as a shortstop. Um, And he's probably who the team is thinking is shortstop long term. Um, So, you know, I think that maybe factors into the thought process a little bit as well. But uh, I'll, I'll buy, though, that like out of the gate. Mateo is the shortstop until proven that like, yeah, that 270 on base last year is what he does. And we need to figure out something else if we're going to really be in the playoff push. Um, so I, I buy that, but um, the spring has been a little bit 
unclear in terms of what the team is exactly thinking the plan is with Gunner, but um, I, I hear yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, I, the last point on this because we've been on it for a minute, but <laughs> I, I think that like it, it's also just sort of the preference of the Orioles. You know, obviously, I think Gunner is you know a plus plus third base defender. Obviously, ODS is that. So, you know, I think you can. I don't know. I don't necessarily want to call them a wash because ODS did win a gold glove, you know, so I, I'll give him the slight edge there. But I think that Mateo over Gunner at short is a, I don't know, let's say, you know, a one grade boost, whatever that means. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I, I think that there's a question of, I like, I think that the total war production from the left side of the infield, the best alignment probably is Urias and Gunner. Um, I think just the like slightly lesser defense, but larger offensive impact, you probably went out there net, but I do think there's a question of what do we want? You know, like we brought in Kyle Gibson, who's a super contact pitcher, you know, Dean Kramer does not have huge strikeout numbers. And so it's kind of like, which way do you want to gear the team? Um, and you know, we don't totally have insight into that, but because we do have, uh, some relatively low strikeout options, you know, maybe like when Grayson Rodriguez is pitching, then Gunner slides over to short and Arias is there and you maximize your offensive impact, you know, something like that. But um, I just think it's factor. I do think this is a good point though, because I do think the Orioles are making a point to put forward potentially the best infield you know, most of the time that we can, especially to support the young pitching staff the Orioles have. So I think, you know, in Eli's terms, the one grade boost edge that Mateo has over Henderson at shortstop is going to hold a lot of weight with the Orioles front office because they do want, you know, to support the the young pitchers as much as possible. And any ground balls that don't get through the infield, you know, I think they're going to view as, as really important to be accounting for. That's a totally valid point. Well, let's, let's stick on the infield for a second and let's talk about Taryn Vavra. Cause I think it's relevant to the conversation, not necessarily the shortstop conversation, but he's sort of a, an interesting one. Um, he's not in the prospect category anymore. He's clearly not, going to be an everyday starter for this team. He's a guy that I think a lot of people on, on Twitter, at least in particular, want the Orioles to give more of a chance to play, but I don't exactly know where he fits on the roster. Although I do agree with this outline Eli's put together for us of having him on the opening day roster as a bench piece that can kind of do a couple different things. Um, Eli, what, what are you thinking about Taryn Vavra and where he sort of fits in the 2023 uh, Orioles? Yeah, it, it is a super weird question. Um, just in the sense of like, yeah, I also don't really see the spot, you know, like we're going to, it feels like continuously be rotating the other four infielders that we've talked about. Um, you know, they've given Vavra some time at first, but uh, James McCann, Anthony Santander, all of these guys have gotten rotations at first. And we are also um, like auditioning about 17 left-handed first base DH types. So, you know, there's like, and Vavra, quite frankly, can't handle the outfield. I know we had him in corner outfield last year. Um, but, you know, we've got better options out there. Like, I'd have Kyle Stowers out in the outfield. 
any day of the week. I'd have Austin Hayes out there, obviously Santander. So I don't really know, like, even what profile he fits. You know, like, the on-base skills are very nice. Um, Like, I think it was, like, 340 in his first little sample, um, which is great. But, you know, the... He's been slugging a little bit in the spring, but the like power potential is just not there to make him kind of an impact pinch hitter. You know, maybe if you are trying to draw a walk, you know, trying to just get a runner on base, he could be a solid pinch hitter. But, you know, the once a week situation where you need a lefty to come pinch hit doesn't justify a full bench spot to me. Uh, so I, I think that in my eyes, you know, once Westberg is still in camp, and there's a very outside shot that, you know, Westberg has done enough to jump on as a utility infielder here for opening day. I don't think that happens because I think that they like value him more as a future player. And so I think that they'll make sure he's getting everyday reps in AAA. I think that's the priority for them is to have him in a lineup every day, uh, which he obviously wouldn't do on the MLB team, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that Vavra is kind of filling in right now. And that's like to no fault of his own. Um, I just don't really see a spot for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's exactly right. Um, I mean, this is sort of one of the the deals with signing Frazier, right? Is that you're kind of moving on from Vavra or putting him sort of in the rear view mirror because uh, we can expect that he's not going to get the look uh, that he could have gotten had the Orioles not signed Frazier. So, um, so there's that part of it. I think Eli's right that, uh, yeah, I mean, having him as a pinch hitter, like doesn't exactly make sense. Um, the Orioles have better bench options uh, from a hitting perspective, um, you know, this coming year. And, like we've been talking about, like our depth on the infield is probably good enough where if we had a pinch hitter uh, come in for somebody, we could then replace that pinch hitter with uh, another second baseman or utility infield or something like that to plug to plug that spot. We wouldn't need, you know, a pinch hitter for specifically a second baseman most in most situations. So I think, yeah, it's it's sort of at a point where he's on the outside looking in and whether that results in him getting traded or I'm not sure. But I I don't know how the Orioles give him a genuine look. Um at this point with this roster construction. Yeah. I mean, cause the thing that keeps him from being like a fine utility option is that he's not really a shortstop option. They haven't played him there at all in the spring. They have put him in center field a little bit, or they put him in center field last year in the spring a little bit, which is interesting, but he's not, I don't really, buy that. <laughs> yeah. He's not really a center field fit either. Like that's where there's just not the physical skills that, even like you know, like Mateo clearly has the physical skills. He's a super he's super fast, super athletic, can play could play center field. I think in a pinch if you really needed him to. Can obviously play shortstop. Um, and then you've got Westbrook who you talked about who can play shortstop. He is a shortstop. Like no, might not be a Gold Glove caliber one, but he's a steady option there. And if you think he's the thing with Westbrook is like if you think he's already ready to be that guy, then I think you've got to put Westbrook on the roster and you've got to play him a lot, like you said, Jess, 
yeah, you signed Frazier and that's fine, but it's a one-year deal. Like put him on the bench, put Frazier on the bench and play Westbrook at second base. If you think that's the answer. And if you've got him in camp this late, maybe the Orioles do think he's the answer and you just give Westbrook the second base job. And if he struggles, you send him back down. But that's the thing. The Norfolk infield is packed too. It has Norby. It has Ortiz. Um, you know, those guys have to play every day too. And if you think Ortiz is a shortstop and Norby's a second baseman, that's where you want to play them too. So I don't know. This this comes back to like the Orioles should have traded more of the prospects during the offseason and they just didn't. And not that it's necessarily a problem. It's a good it's a good problem to have, but it does present you with some some weird stuff. It makes the Fraser signing look weirder in retrospect. Uh Vavra being around is fine. It just makes he's more of a filler piece than a real difference maker. Um, but yeah, it's just a it's a weird it's a weird spot on the roster to have. Um, but if they're not sure about all of it, yeah, you he makes the opening day roster and probably yo-yos up and down when you have an injury or two. Cause I think, yeah, I think he, if he's in the lineup for a day or two as the second baseman to the third baseman, I feel fine about it, but no, I don't want Taryn Vaver in the lineup five days out of the week. You know what I mean? Right. The main point I was trying to make is right. The Orioles are no longer thinking about him in their long-term plans. Right. But I, mean, I don't even know that's, that they ever, that's over. Right. I don't know that they ever were though. Right. You know? Right. For sure. I don't even view the Frazier signing as really blocking him necessarily. Cause I think if they don't sign Frazier, then it becomes more obvious that Westbrook is the guy at second base or that Urias is the guy at second base. You know what I mean? I think Vavra was always like, yeah, he's like a depth option that I think is perfectly fine to have. But um, yeah, but but Frazier being here does make it tougher for Vavra to even make the team and stay on the team. So that in that respect, um, yeah, that makes sense. So, so I guess then, like, I think there is an open question, like, of these, you know, Franchi Gordeos, Ryan O'Hearns, Nomar Mazaras, like, I don't know, it is, is it more plausible after this discussion, it's getting more and more plausible to me that one of them <laughs> does start and break camp and Taryn Vavra does not? I mean, I think that seems possible, um, especially given the Orioles' uh, actions. I mean, they're pretty hot on having a legitimate left-handed first base option. And I I know we've talked about it being Santander, but the fact that it's this late in camp, and I know Santander had the WBC, that factors into that. He was gone. He was playing outfield for Venezuela. Maybe they wanted an insurance policy, but of the work he's probably done for them, it must not be very impressive to them. And obviously, you know, he's going to play every day, but they need another option, so... Yeah, Bobber's think... got two option years also. So Yeah. I think that's that's distinctly possible then. So then the question becomes which which guy? <laughs> Cordero, I guess. Yeah, Jess and I it, it's kind of funny. Franchi Cordero's been hitting the cover off the ball. Um, of course he has. Yeah, but it's yeah, he's four fifty, four fifty, seven fifty is the triple slash over forty at bats. Yeah. So he hasn't taken a walk. Oh, that's crazy. He hasn't taken a walk. <laughs> 450, 450, 750. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, Jess and I saw him and it was hilarious because he like, I don't know, he was on third base and there was a ground ball back to the pitcher and he got like caught out between third and home. It was thrown out there. There was an error in the outfield that let the ball get to the wall and simultaneously roped like two doubles and went four for five on the day or something like that, you know. 
Well, so I mean that that you know, go to the scenario where Francis Cordero might be coming into the game, uh, apart from like a Sunday punt lineup where you're giving Ryan Mountcastle the day off and you're just going to put Cordero out there. It's the ninth inning. The lineup is in seven, eight, nine. You probably have Frazier coming up or Mateo coming up. The Orioles are down by one. You look to the bench and you got Taryn Vavra and you got Franchi Cordero. Who's right. Brandon Hyde going? Get in the on deck circle. Right? I want the guy who can hit the ball <laughs> 500 feet. Yeah. Right. For sure. Right. Like Taryn Vavra might give you a little slice into left field and he gets on first base, but Cordero might tie the game up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. So, yeah. wow. All I right, we solved we it. Just, we just did that. We just talked ourselves into Franchi Cordero. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of crazy. Uh, it's a difficult thing to do, talking yourself into Franchi Cordero, but we at the Warehouse Pod pride ourselves on our ability to twist our own minds. Side note, oh, we forgot Luis Diaz too. Did they not reassign him yet? Maybe they did. Honestly, um, I didn't remember it, but I believe it. Side note, Tyler, I will say I was thinking about you the whole time as I was watching Santander mash home runs for Venezuela. You know, I, <laughs> I was thinking about you a lot when that was happening. I like Anthony Santander. I know, I, just, I know, I know. There's limitations to his game, and clearly playing first base seems to be one of them. <laughs> but so, no, I, I, I love Anthony. I'm a pro Anthony Santander guy. I just I think he could bring a lot of value to another team. <laughs> and a lot of good uh, prospects back to the Orioles. Yeah, exactly. Or a starting pitcher or something. Yeah. Um, Diaz is still in camp according okay. to his transaction log, but haven't seen much of him. Okay. All right. So Franchi Cordero. Franchi He's Cordero. Guy. Um all right, let's talk outfield really quickly, because I think there's some interesting stuff to talk about here. Kyle J or Jesse made a Comment I was it in our last podcast? Maybe it was off off the podcast, but you just talked about you didn't think Ryan McKenna might make the team. Do we want to revisit? I, I thought that, that was claim? a possibility. <laughs> Do you still think that's a possibility? That he I mean, make the opening day. Well, like a, a realistic possibility. Um, not not really. No, okay. <laughs> at this point, I mean, <laughs> immediately I, backs I, off the table. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, you look at the options we have now, and I mean, none of them make sense over him to me. Okay, fair enough. Um, now, what about in the corners, though? I think that's kind of interesting. In my mind, I think that it seems like Kyle Stowers is going to start in a corner, Austin Hayes is going to start in a corner, and then Santander is going to be the DH most days. But Santander was playing in the outfield for Venezuela a lot, I think all the time. I, I just don't love Anthony Santander's glove, and if you can avoid putting him in the outfield, you'd avoid it. But Maybe I'm way off base there, Jesse. What do you What do you think? No, I mean, I, I I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it also makes sense that the Orioles. Um, I mean, we like you're saying we have enough outfield options that he could be relegated to a more of a DH role. He is going to necessitate some time in right field because um, Adley is going to get moved to DH. You know, a yeah. decent amount of the time. So. Um, when he's not catching and when he's not playing first. So um, because of that, uh, the Orioles are going to want Santander's bat in the lineup. So he will play right field. Yeah. But there are definitely lineup constructions Hyde can employ 
uh, where he's on the bench and, uh, you know, you, you as a fan don't have to suffer watching him in right field. <laughs> Former yeah, Gold I, Glove finalist. <laughs> 2020, baby. Uh, I, I think that th- there is kind of like what it boils down to for me, right, is if you are pulling Santander to the DH position that puts, you know, Austin Hayes or Kyle Stowers, like whichever one you think isn't the primary, I think Austin Hayes gets another run out there and Stowers is the bench option. Um, but so that puts Kyle Stowers in right field, which then says that whichever infielder is not in the lineup that day cannot be the DH. And so I think like there's some debate as to whether you would rather have Ramon Diaz's glove or Kyle Stowers, or I'm sorry, Ramon Diaz's bat or Kyle Stowers's bat in the lineup, you know, if Frazier's playing that day or vice versa. Um, And, you, you know, I think Stowers' bat obviously has more potential, like there's a higher ceiling. And quite frankly, he did perform well last year. It's just such a small sample size that, um, you know, it's a probably a sure thing that Ramon Reyes can, you know, hit major league pitching over the course of a full season. Um, so I think that's an open question there. I, I don't, I, I really do not dislike the idea of like Stowers in the lineup every day. He's another lefty, which, you know, the lineup needs a little bit of and, yeah, I, I I don't hate that at all. Yeah, I mean, I think because we, we talked about this as well is it's just the the time span for Kyle Stowers to actually show that he can be a guy is getting short really fast because yeah. we know Colton Kowser is coming. It's only a matter of time. He had a good spring. He is going. He was on in AAA already. I mean, I think we've got April and May to look at Kyle Stowers and. And then Colton Kowser is probably going to be up regardless. Um, it just becomes whether Kowser goes down or a trade is made or an injury, whatever right. it may be. Hayes gets traded or something. Hayes gets yeah. traded. Yeah. It's just, it's just such, yeah, it's just, it's getting shorter and shorter for him to, to prove what he can do. So um, we'll see. They, I think Brandon Hyde had a quote earlier this spring that he is going to get a chance to face left-handed pitching on a regular basis, which wasn't something they really let him do last year which is interesting because then you have ryan mckenna there not that ryan mckenna is some beast at the plate but ryan mckenna hit lefties pretty well last year while stowers didn't play against them and cedric mullins struggled against them again after being pretty good the previous year so um what's mckenna's role now you're saying yeah i mean i think ultimately mckenna is still like in my mind is like just such a good fourth outfielder because he's fast doesn't necessarily steal bases though but is a good fielder and if you can hit lefties, that's like a nice little extra sort of thing that like, hey, like, yeah, we could give Cedric a day off against a tough lefty. You know, when Carlos Rodon gets back for the Yankees, if the Orioles are facing him, let's give Cedric the day off. Let McKenna face, you know, it's a nice like thing for a fourth outfielder to have about him. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's just kind of going through my my brain. If the Orioles are going to play the the platoon split thing too much uh, or not, but I think. Ultimately, I'd like to see Kyle Stowers play every day for at least a month or two. Give us a good, a better sample size of uh, what he and who he is as a player. I agree with that. I mean, yeah, the Orioles are definitely not in the old days when 
you know, they would get six, you know, each player would get a six month audition, you know, at the major league level. And we would sit around while they really, you know, struggled and that sort of thing. It's (laughs) let them try to figure it out. Yeah. It's like the Orioles are moving forward and you could try to keep up or get left behind basically. So, right. And the Orioles, I mean, my, my, what I imagine is the Orioles have some internal pecking order of, who they're willing to let figure stuff out, like Gunnar Henderson. Gunnar Henderson's going to have slumps this year. It's just going to happen. They're going to let him figure it out. Kyle Stowers, I think, is going to have a much shorter leash than that. I think they still like him, but like, okay, Kyle, it's been three weeks. You're hitting 150. You're striking out three times as much as you're walking. Like, maybe we got to try something else. You know what I mean? Um, yep. The only thing I think I wanted to note, or we wanted to note here was... um Heston Kerstad had a really good spring. Uh, his slash line was 381, 409, 810, which gives him a 1.219 OPS. Uh, regardless of the competition you're facing there, or I'm sorry, um, what did I say? O- yeah, OPS. That was right. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, regardless of the competition you're facing, really impressive numbers and even better for Kerstad, who clearly, you know, after he got drafted, had the, uh, the myocarditis issue saw his prospect status kind of take a hit as a result. And now I think he's 100% back as a legitimate prospect and sort of changes the complexion of the Orioles long-term and what the outfield looks like um, and potentially makes somebody like Hayes or even a Stowers a little bit more expendable when trade time comes. Um, But yeah, just really cool for Heston Kerstad and hopefully he keeps it up uh, once the regular season rolls around. Um, Do you guys have anything you want to note about Kerstad? I got two quick things. First off, shout out to you being a super host, juggling a child and (laughs) continuing to talk. But second, um, I I am a little curious, like, don't get me wrong. I am buying into the Heston Kerstad hype, but it was in two short seasons that we were seeing this, Uh you know, between the AFL and spring training. So I am curious if some holes are exposed, you know, this could be, partially just like a lack of exposure, a lack of data that teams have on him and, you know, his like swing tendencies, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, sure. I'm curious if things get exposed throughout the course of the year, but that said, obviously the dude's got talent. Um, and this was just really cool to see, you, you know, it's like it, you find those people like obviously to a lesser extent, but you know, everybody cheers for Trey Mancini, right? Because, you know, he's this comeback story. It's great. It's wonderful. And, you know, everybody's cheering for Kerstad in in the same vein. I I think it's cool to, he's just a cool story. He seems like a good guy in interviews and just want the best for him. So it's nice to see him raking. Kind of like you said, I think the important point is that, right, he has talent, right? And uh, the fact, I mean, he might still get exposed. Of course, he's behind the eight ball, right? I mean, he should be a lot more, you know, theoretically, uh, according to how most prospects go through their development, he's, of course, way behind where he, quote unquote, should have been. And, you know, we're aware of all that. And he might get exposed. And obviously, pitchers in the league are going to make adjustments and stuff. But he is at least demonstrating his potential and his and you know the reason why we drafted him so um of course that is encouraging and yeah he has sort of uh 
kind of like Tyler saying, like resurrected his prospect status from the dead, right? For a while, it was, I mean, we weren't factoring him in uh, to our outfield, you know, to whatever extent we can, can you know, we yeah. just talk, but yeah, our, our regular uh, goes to Mike Elias. We kind yeah, of exactly, not right. <laughs> exactly. Like, don't yeah, even worry about yeah, it. Mike. Exactly. Right. But, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, we hadn't really thought that, um, we thought his career was basically over. Um, so <laughs> that's a little well, bit harsh. Well, his, I guess his, I guess his, his major league career, yeah, it was or, looking bleak. Know, it was looking bleak. Yeah, so, um, I mean, it's impressive. He, yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't, maybe I could have said that gentler, but, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but you, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, cool. Well, that wraps up the position players. Let's move on to the pitchers. News today, I think it was today, Kyle Gibson got named the opening day starter for the Orioles. Jesse's shaking his head already. What what did you expect? Are you were you shocked by this? No, it's just so depressing. I mean, sure, he's I mean, the <laughs> veteran and you know, the leader of the pitching staff. He's the Jordan Lyles of, you know, the 2023 Orioles, but that no, is... it, it, no it, it's right though it's lame i mean it's super lame it is um, right our it's our lame. friend ethan uh that we went to high school with was yeah. complaining about on you know it's like the 35 year old on a one-year deal it's like well you, you know you, you could you could argue that they are sort of rewarding dean kramer for his good year last year because he's getting the home opener the next day but it's very like i don't know you know this guy's not an important part of the Orioles team in any way, shape, or form. I, I shouldn't. He's an important part. He's going to play a valuable role for right. the 2023 right. only Orioles. Exactly. And, so, right. and I don't know. I mean, granted, the Red Sox are throwing out Corey Kluber, so it's not like yeah, we're going to get blown out of the water. But I felt like the Orioles faced Corey Kluber like 17 times last year. Every time I they faced the right. Rays, it was like Corey Kluber starting. Like, are you kidding again? <laughs> Jeez. He was and he was pretty good for them too. So yeah, well, he, of course, because the Rays—I don't know—something magic happens there <laughs> when you're a pitcher. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I get what you're saying. It is super boring, but I mean, when you look at the roster, it was obvious. Yeah, you know, it, Dean Kramer I mean, got less than a full. Could... I mean, one one good year. Kyle Bradish was a rookie last year. Cole Irvin's a new guy who I have my reservations about him in a full season. Grayson Rodriguez, if he's going to be the next guy, is a rookie. That's you know. what I was going to say, is you can, like, I don't know, do it for the meme, so to speak, quote-unquote, yeah. you know, and you can throw Grayson Rodriguez out there, and the whole oh, world is super Lord. hyped. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, like, what does it hurt? You, you know, it's not like we have a true ace and we are trying to align our rotation for anything. You know, it's not like we're, oh, we got... I don't know. XYZ, you know, coming up the next Saturday, we want to make sure we're lining this up to match up. No, it's not like that. It's just Kyle Gibson's the old guy. Give him opening day. It's, you know, it's like, right. That's all yeah, it is. It's it's the lack of John Means here is like where is very That's definite. the problem. Because like it, yeah. John Means is the guy. And not that right. John Means is an ace on every team, but you know, he's like at least a number three on, on every team probably. He's yeah. been with the Orioles for a long yeah. time. Right. Yeah, we don't have a Rodrigo Lopez even this, <laughs> you know that has has been solid and on the team for a while we uh we have kyle gibson or so. jeremy guthrie yeah right right a jeremy guthrie i saw, saw some the other day 
Fun fact about Rodrigo Lopez, his first opening day start was the snow opening day. <laughs> oh, that was a great one. In like 03 or whatever. It's pretty cool. That was a cool one. I, I remember that. I remember Jay Gibbons had to chase the ball down in the corner at one point. I couldn't you couldn't see it at all. <laughs> the glory just, days. Just a side note. Um yeah. was Rodrigo Lopez involved with the WBC at all for Mexico? I thought yeah. Might I thought been. his name was like mentioned. Now I'm wondering if it was a different Rodrigo Lopez, but I thought he was sort of they referred to him as the GM or something like that. That sounds know. right, but actually. Yeah, actually, yeah. The expectation is to get to the final and win it. Mexico general manager Rodrigo Lopez said in an interview with ESPN. Yeah, there you go. Look at that, Jesse, with the inside information. I, yeah, I mean, I, I I heard it, and then I meant to follow up with it. So I'm like, well, why not just bring it up on the podcast? You know, since his name <laughs> came up, so. and have somebody else Google it while you, well, uh, while you mean, chat through. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Um, that's crazy general manager of team mexico that's pretty cool though and mexico did great they made the semifinals they almost knocked off japan despite not having ramon urias because there was an insurance issue yeah that sucks his brother was on the team i know luis was on the team ridiculous and did you see that ramon was in all the team mexico commercials yeah they were like Like, they were like two brothers from magdalena you know (laughs) it's like Edge. I know you can't get the dude in the tournament. That sucked. <laughs> I know they that made me upset. I'm sure they were regretting that. They're like, damn it. They're like, well, we're just going to show it a bunch of times anyway. Just keep <laughs> yeah. keep showing it. <laughs> hope, hope that nobody notices or something. Yeah. <laughs> I think people notice for sure, especially um, Oriole fans. Yeah, uh, yeah, we noticed. All right. Well, beyond Gibson, we're going to have uh, Dean Kramer, Cole, Cole Irvin, and Kyle Bradish as kind of the uh, the other three that are pretty locked in at this point uh, i know it is such uh, a he... sorry rotation well yeah. no, hold on hold on real quick they did today confirm that kramer had the second game right i was about to say before jesse yeah. rudely interrupted me oh my god that <laughs> as eli had pointed out dean kramer was cons- con- uh what did i say what was i trying to say the home confirmed. confirmed was the oh. word i was trying to say <laughs> uh as the number two and then Irvin and bradish aren't yet but it sounds pretty clear that that's what's going to happen what the question mark that still is out there is what the orders are doing with the fifth spot. And if there's going to be a fifth spot, is there going to be six spots? Who knows? But, you know, five spots typically is how rotation goes. And sort of the four that are left as contenders are Grayson Rodriguez, Spencer Watkins, Austin Voth, and Tyler Wells. Rodriguez just pitched yesterday as of this recording, and it didn't go great. Um, it's been kind of a rocky spring for him up and down his stuff has looked fine but the results haven't always been great which you know you take that with a grain of salt in the spring you'd love to have great results but it just doesn't always happen that way um eli if you were a betting man who do you think would be the fifth starter for the orioles this year going into things yeah if i were a betting man it's grayson rodriguez i I think that the like i don't know even if you send him down he's going to be up within a month and the you know, there are the draft pick incentives, there are all that, and you can shield him a little bit while arms are fresh coming out of spring. I, I think there's, I, I am like a good 80% confident that Grayson Rodriguez will be the fifth starter on opening day. That's a good percentage. Still a good amount of wiggle room there. Um, yeah, there is I, some. I think I tend to agree, but Jess, you were, you had an interesting look on your face. Do you agree or where's your head at? Uh. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there. I think it has to be him. It has to be. I mean, nobody is nobody out of this list is more exciting 
I mean, we talked about having Grayson up at the end of last year. I mean, it's got to be him that's, that holds down this five spot and just, unless he gets hurt, carry it throughout the season. Well, I think I think the one talking point kind of pe- that people bring up is because he got hurt last year, his innings aren't as built up, and they're going to have to put him on an inning count, like a pretty strict one this year. And then does that impact the Orioles' playoff push down the stretch? Are we going to have what the Nationals did with Steven Strasburg a decade ago where they just, like, shut him down and that's that? I mean, um, I think you can send him down – in the middle of the season and stretch it out to every, you know, stretch it out to every six days in Norfolk, every seven days in Norfolk that he gets a start. Like, I I don't know. I, I, I still, you know, he is going to be on the major league team. His stuff has nowhere to go. You know, it's like, it's already elite ace level stuff. So put him on there for opening day, get the chance of that rookie of the year compensation, you know, like the extra comp draft pick and all that stuff. I, it makes the most sense to me. Yeah, I think I tend to agree with that. It's just the incentives outweigh all that stuff, for sure. So the other three we'll talk about here in the bullpen conversation, I think, because some of them could factor in here. So let's talk about the bullpen. Um, the locks for that are Felix Bautista, CNL Perez, Brian Baker, Keegan Aiken, and Michael Givens, if he is got this knee issue sorted out, which seems a little bit in flux, although I think all indications are that he will be okay for opening day, but we'll see. And then obviously Dylan Tate will be a part of this bullpen eventually, but it's confirmed he's going to start the year on the IL. He was supposed to be in the bullpen for the United States in the WBC. Uh, this injury kept him out of that as well. So United States needed him too. <laughs> they did. They did. Although uh, that's the thing about the U.S. People kept talking about how good the lineup was, but they needed more pitching. In the championship game, the pitching was like, okay. Three runs to Japan's pretty good. Yeah. The lineup scored twice. But you twice. started Merrill Kelly. Like, yeah, I didn't even know who that was. I had to Google him. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. who? I was like, oh, he's like thirty something, and uh, yeah, that's why I don't really know about. I him. mean, he's actually good though. Like, he's a solid starting pitcher. Uh, yeah, uh, he is. But you know, I, I mean, maybe not in the context of like all the available yeah. U.S. pitcher. You know, but he's a he's so, a four or a three on like. Probably even maybe a two on the Diamondbacks. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't know what their rotation's I, like. But... I don't know, but yeah, let me <laughs> let me just say one thing. Out of the top twenty pitchers, I forget which war this was. I just heard this on a podcast, admittedly. But out of the top twenty pitchers born in the U.S., only one of them played for Team USA, and it was Daniel Bard, mm. who just. Also, like, absolutely sucked in the tournament. Nothing against him. He's a very talented pitcher, but he was awful. Um, Yeah, he kept throwing, like, the ball to the backstop. (laughs) Literally. Basically. I mean, (laughs) like, five or six pitches. Right. Maybe not quite that many, but yeah. That was something. Yeah, I mean, you think, like, I don't know. You've got all these guys. Scherzer, Verlander, DeGrom, Cole. Okay, but And then you could even get... A, cr- a crew of young people, Max Fried, Spencer Strider. That's what the U.S. gets for not properly valuing this tournament. So yeah. I don't feel bad for them. I don't. <laughs> we weren't asking you to. Just yeah, right. Yeah. I'm just we're, saying we're kind of more criticizing. I make it them. very clear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, the um, I do think there's like that. I don't know. I saw Adam Wainwright responded to a Jared Carabas tweet and said like there are a lot of people right now who you know like you are kind of talking at 
in terms of criticizing them for not joining here that wanted to be here and constraints with their insurance constraints, you know, like we were talking about with Urias, like there were factors outside of their control that would not let them be here. Um, yeah, but it's still like you, you want to see the best of the best at the tournament, you know, you do. And you know, it might change three years from now. There might be more leniency there or more urgency or whatever. Um, it's definitely a structural problem that needs to be fixed. So right. Pointing out like, or, you know, blaming individuals and stuff like that isn't isn't that important. But yeah. Right. That was so well said, Jesse. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. <laughs> A rare moment. <laughs> All right. So the bullpen. Let's get back to the bullpen. So with Tate definitely out for opening day and Givens potentially, but most likely on the opening day roster, that gives the Orioles about three more spots to fill up. So to to compete for those spots. Here's kind of a list there. It's it's both Wells and Watkins, kind of the losers from the rotation battle. Then we got Rule 5 pick Andrew Politti, D.L. Hall, Logan Gillespie, Mike Bauman, and Joey Krable. Krable. Sorry. Sorry, Joey. I mispronounced your name right off the bat. Um, I'm sure he's going to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Eli, kind of your first instinct here, if you had to pick three names off that list, um, who are you going with? So the person I want in the bullpen most is D.L. Hall. I think that it makes most sense for him, though, to go get stretched out fully at AAA and build up as a starter. The dude's got such incredible stuff that you have to keep playing that angle until it's absolutely not an option anymore. So um, I don't have him there. Uh, I think that uh, I really like Votham Wells. you know, Wells, his stuff obviously played up throughout his Rule 5 year. Um, we really liked him a lot. And a- admittedly, his stuff has taken a step back this spring uh, to an extent. So I think that might be nice for him. After all the injury concerns, he can be a little more conservative with him. Um, Austin Voth has experience in both roles. So, and, you know, like we know with the two phenomenal breaking balls that he has, we'll be able to play that stuff up. And then you got two guys. Also, if we are talking about managing Grayson Rodriguez's innings, you've got two guys who can give you some length. Um, And then uh, my third is Mike Bauman. Uh, I like big Mike. I think that, um, or we saw, uh, who was it? Eno Saris wrote uh, wrote an article about kind of the biggest jumps uh, in his stuff plus metric. And Bauman has taken pretty substantial jumps. The fastball's got a little more ride. His slider added both horizontal and vertical movement um, while maintaining its velocity about 90. So he's got the good hard fastball, the good hard slider, and uh, and his curveball's grading out as like 15, 20% better than the average curveball. So I think that Big Mike is like continuing to turn into a weapon. The Orioles have you know, confirmed they're looking at him for a short relief role for this year and kind of transitioning him that way. So I, yeah, I like him. Uh, That said, when Dylan Tate comes back, I have no idea who goes down. Um, I think the Voth and Wells conversation is a pretty interesting one. Wells kind of almost has a longer track record, but to me, honestly, I think that Voth might have a little bit more strikeout potential, which is probably what you want from the pen. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. But both Wells bombing for me. 
Jesse? I thought I thought we were going to be in complete agreement, but I actually have Crable over Ballman. Um, I think that Crable's been terrible this spring. I know, I know, but like down, like I, I am usually not one to put stock in it, but this is like. I get uh, that, but startling. he was such. I mean, he gave us a whole year <laughs> of being a solid reliever. That I, I think he makes the team, and I think he's going to be up for us. I think it is going to be uh, Voth and Wells to join him. Um, wow! I think exactly for the reasons you said. I think Voth and Wells are sort of essential. Um, Voth. Uh, in particular for the starting option. I know Wells sort of was a starter um, or started a, a decent amount last year. Um, but right, I think we're we're going to need... I think both is the perfect guy to sort of... Uh, what's, what's the word? Uh, it starts with a V, vacillate or whatever. Or, I don't know, but... In any case, just uh, kind of hang out there, oscillate. No, to, maybe to go back and forth uh, between the bullpen and a sp- a start spot here and there. Vacillate uh, is right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so in any case, um, to vacillate between a starting spot and uh, a bullpen spot. So I think right if there is a situation where even Grayson needs an extra rest day or something, or you know we give him uh, take his spot out of the rotation for the week or whatever. Um, Both can step in, can do that. Um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how Wells gets used, whether he does turn into like a swing guy, but you know, he could theoretically, I mean, we know how effective he was as a closer. And I don't think the Orioles are ready to give up on him as a starter, but we do know he could function as a back end bullpen piece. Um, so there's that. And then, um, yeah. And then in terms of Crable and Ballman, I mean, I give the edge to Crable just because I now granted, I've never been a big Crable fan, um, but his numbers were solid last year. He was very consistent. He pitched the whole year for us. I'm pretty sure. I don't think he was ever not in the bullpen. And I don't think, to my knowledge, maybe he did go on the IL once, but I don't think so. And um, like Crable was solid, so I don't think you you give it to Ballman, especially given his inconsistencies he's demonstrated uh, in the major leagues uh, historically. Um, I, I don't think he's done enough to overtake Crable. So I think it's those three, and really. Any of the other guys, I really don't even think are are in the conversation. Obviously, Hall, you know, we know about him. He has his obviously, you know, great talent and everything like that. Um, but in terms of you know Gillespie, I don't think is an option. Uh, and uh, Paletti, I, I don't think I don't see him making it either. So Paletti's there for me. The hmm. the one thing about Gillespie is he's got options. So I think they just. Yeah, it's, I don't uh, know. we don't have space. So because he can go down, he goes down for me. And for that same reason, if we do like keep Politi on at the beginning of the year, Mike Bauman's got options, so he goes down for me. Yeah, that's kind of where my head goes is like uh, roster flexibility, which is super right. lame and boring. But <laughs> I think the Orioles like to play that game a little bit. So I see Paletti making the roster. Not that he's the best, or 
the most deserving, but I see the Orioles keeping Paletti on the roster and going like, hey, let's see what the kid can do a couple times. If he gets rocked, okay, we'll send him back to the Red Sox. I think that's where they got him from. And mm-hmm. we'll bring up Gillespie or Bauman or whatever. Um, this Crable doesn't have options, right? No options? Uh, I don't believe so. I'll confirm. Because that's the thing for me is if he's got an option, he's not making this team. <laughs> because he, I agree with Eli. He was, he's not been great this spring. He's and, given up four home runs in under eight innings. Yeah, it's not what you want. I can do that. Crable has two options. I don't think Crable's making this team. I don't either. Yeah. Um, so, I do. So, so my, I guess my question about that is how does how does his poor yeah. spring override everything from last year? Because That's he's a reliever. Because he's a reliever, mm-hmm. and he could be broken now. It's that easy with a reliever. I mean, that's one good true. season does tells me nothing. That's how many true. of the, how many of them are good for their for five or six years? Oh, like mm-hmm. very few, very few. Yeah. So you you if you sorry to options, interrupt. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I let you right. speak for minutes uninterrupted, but please jump right <laughs> in. Jump right in. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um. So I don't think Crable's making it. Um. So yeah, I like. I think Paletti's going to make it. Don't love him, but that's what I think is going to happen. Um, both, I agree. I think he makes it as like the long man. Wells is the one I'm kind of torn on right now because I, what I think they should do is start him in Norfolk and get him back into a reliever's routine hmm. and then bring him back up as a bullpen piece. Um, cause right now he's being stretched out as a starter in the spring. And I think he needs to ratchet it back down to be like a one or two inning guy. And then I think that's where he's most valuable for this team. Um, And then I kind of like Logan Gillespie. He's had a really good spring. They protected him from the rule five last year because they liked him. Um, Seven innings this spring, 10 strikeouts, no runs. Um, That's pretty intriguing to me. Um, And Bauman is kind of a similar story to Wells where they kind of just moved him back to a bullpen role. Um, so I think you sent him down to start. So I, I would go with both, um, Politi and Gillespie. So quite different hmm. from you, Jess. Interesting. Controversial. Yeah. Both Politi, Gillespie. Gotcha. Yeah. And you're obviously not, Politi's going to be a, a fifth or sixth inning gap guy in a game that probably is not terribly close. You know, you're going to do that a couple times and see what he can do. Um, but yeah, that's what we're doing. So like in, I don't know, in four or five weeks, hopefully when Dylan Tate comes back, who gets bumped? Um, Well, that's a good question, Eli. I guess it depends <laughs> on how Politi does. <laughs> yeah, it depends on how Politi does. If he's struggling, yeah. he's like the easy one to right. just boot. He gets the Max Scruller treatment from a couple <laughs> years ago, who we drafted before we drafted Tyler Wells, which is insane. Right. But... um. Yeah, so I think that's it's performance based for Politi, and then if not, if you want to really keep him, it's it might be Gillespie that goes down because he's got the options. Because both I know doesn't have options, so right. that would probably be the two scenarios there. Um, cool, that was fun. It, it was. Um, let's get into predictions real quick before we get out of here. Uh, we'll save win loss record for the end because I think that's the most interesting one. So let's talk about Orioles MVP. I I think we would all agree that Doriel's MVP last year was Adley Rutschman, but please tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong there. Um, and uh, That's Jesse, my pick. Give, give me your MVP for the 2023 Baltimore Orioles. 
you Eli? can be boring. You can be boring and say the same thing. What I don't I don't think it's a boring thing. I think it's a question of is it gonna be Gunner or is it gonna be Adley? I mean Well, that's a big question. I I I'm sort of tempted to say Gunner. Wow. That's very interesting. Do you want to justify that? Well, obviously So, so oh, hold on, hold on. Just <laughs> the haters in the back right now are screaming. This will be his first full season. He's going to struggle. He's going, like, he's not as immediately elite defensively, and he plays a position that impacts the game less than Adley Rutschman. How do you oh, counter oh, these charges? It's like Eli's true. reading my mind right now. Right. All true. Um, I I think the offense will be there, and I think it'll be there to, to compensate for those things you mentioned. Um, I do think, right, of course, right, you give Adley the edge because he's the catcher. You know, all these things you take into account. Gunner looked so good. Um, plus, you give Gunner the edge with the playing time. He's going to play more, probably, and more, especially if you only look at the time Adley catches. Um, Gunner is going to be playing in the field more than Adley. So, there's that component of it. Um, obviously, Adley's defensive value at first base is not really going to be present. And I just think Gunner is going to... Now, don't get me wrong. Adley takes his walks, and I love him for that. And I love that you know he's as patient as he is, and he's such a disciplined hitter. I love all that. I think uh, Gunner showed us that he is capable of just tearing the cover off the ball. And um, I think that's going to go a long way. I think he will struggle at certain points. But overall, when you look at the whole season, I think his offensive numbers are going to be even better than Adley's are by the whole, you, by the end of the wow. year. So can you go a little more explicit on like, are you thinking this is a 30 home run season? Are you thinking this is that, like, yeah, a, you know. I don't know, 275, 350, 450 kind of year? Like, what What are you thinking? Uh, OPS? Pick any metric you want. This is a right, Julio right. Rodriguez type of year. Yeah. No, I no, I mean, I sort of, I sort of do, I do imagine that I could absolutely see him hitting 25 home runs. Um, I think, yeah, I could see a, a slash of, yeah, 275, 340 I don't know 800 something like that 800 OPS yeah, I'm sorry yeah yeah slugging, slugging. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. yeah yeah not it yeah right I did that weird because the slugging should should be the last number but yeah, yeah um so yeah I I could I could absolutely see that and I I could definitely see gun okay so you said 275 340 yeah and yeah, three, like one of three. one of the best rookie seasons of all time. No big deal. Well, yeah, I mean, Adley <laughs> last year was two fifty five, three forty nine, four thirty two. Yeah, oh, no shit. That that's a uh, projections. Hold on. Oh my god, he cussed. Why, why did he? Did, did I... yeah? <laughs> I couldn't tell. I was halfway between I double really, O and I. I was just joking. <laughs> no, we don't care. <laughs> I know. I caught myself. I'm sorry. Sorry, fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, Adley last year was two fifty four, three sixty two, four forty five. Right. I'm talking about Henderson. For, no, so no, for that. an eight oh six OPS. But I'm saying Adley did that last year. No, now I, he's. 
going to extend that out over a full season. Right. Okay, so you're saying oh, the, oh, predi- oh. the predicted I... on base that's 20 <laughs> points lower, the OPS that is the same, you're thinking Adley's going to have a worse season then. Oh, yeah, no, I do. I mean, I do expect regression offensively from Adley. Wow. I guess I, I wasn't true. I, I, I didn't. Even though he's hitting right-handed home runs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just I grilling did... Jesse over no, here. No, 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 <laughs> no. I granted what I will say is I did not. Uh... Yeah. Like, I, I guess when I said like, <laughs> Gunner had an 800 OPS. I wasn't in my mind. I wasn't thinking, oh, Adley did that last year. So I will say that. But I do think, yeah, Gunner could put up an 800, even possibly higher OPS. And, um, you know, Adley, you know, I mean, he's a catcher and I don't know. Uh, I'd be I'd be surprised if the offensive numbers like didn't didn't go down a bit for him. But even though the Orioles will be will be catering to him, right, like they will be not having him catch every day and trying to preserve him and stuff like that. Well, and the Adley numbers last year include that, like pretty much that massive slump when he first got up, like he was he was terrible for like whatever, two or three weeks. So, yeah, it's true. Yeah. No part of me thinks that Adley regresses this year offensively that and like I I mean, he's granted it's spring training, but he's taken some early strides. He took Chris Sale deep from the right side. Like, you know, I guess that's the other thing I should say. Adley, if he figures out even remotely how to hit from the right side of the plate, he immediately becomes the best catcher in the game offensively. So you have him as the team's MVP? I definitely have him. Over Gunner. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Mm. I agree, and I don't think it's terribly close in my brain. And I think that... It's not in mine either. That's why I was... Well, because my whole thing with with Gunner is I think Gunner's going to be very good long-term. And I think even this year, he'll be like a net positive for the team. And like, we're going to, we can talk rookie of the year, I guess next he's like clearly my pick for rookie of the year. I guess it's between him and pride Grayson Rodriguez, but so I think he'll be a net positive for the team, but he's going to struggle a little bit. He strikes out a bunch. He's going to strike out a bunch. He's going to hit his home runs, but I think it's going to be a little bit more of like a slightly above average season for him. And then he starts to take off maybe a little bit more in 2024. I still think he's impactful and, you know, a good player, but I don't think he's going to be. Um, and I, th- I think he can, he still gets like, is part of the rookie of the year conversation for sure. Um, but I just think we see a little bit more struggle from him. I know he had the, the cup of tea or the cup of coffee with the team last year and was, was good. Um, I just am expecting uh, some struggles from him this year, uh, a little bit more than Adley did. So uh, yeah, Adley's mm-hmm. the easy pick for me as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I mean it makes sense. I mean yeah. I mean he's obviously he's amazing. So yeah. Well sorry to disappoint you, Jess. I feel like we, we <laughs> no, took no, the no, out no, of your No, it, no, it's it's not it's not disappointing. I yeah, I mean I wish I look, you you yeah. could be you could make us both look very silly with that prediction. He could be far better than Adley. It's it's like definitely within the realm of possibility that right, right. better than Rutschman. It's not like a ridiculous for sure, thing. for sure, yeah. Um, now, if you said Adam Frazier, you know, we might look right. at you. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. We might kick you off the pod. <laughs> now, I, I will ask. I, so, I mean, I don't, you know, obviously I didn't say him. I'm not really thinking about him. But, like, 
would we give Mullins like a a five percent chance of winning this category by the end of the year, or sure. how are y'all yeah. feeling about that? Yeah, absolutely, okay. I, I think Mullins and Santander are both within the realm of possibility. Also, well, Santander just the defense. I mean, I, I know that, the defense isn't there, but the if he goes out and he hits, you know, thirty-eight home runs and yeah, anchors the center of the lineup all season, like that yeah. plays. That you, you know, like I, I'm not gonna go crazy and say i expect that to happen but um i don't know i I think he definitely has another 30 home run season i think he produces at the middle of the order the entire season you know it's like it's possible yeah santander my whole thing with santander is like have we gotten the best of him already which obviously last year was good i mean he was very good he 33 home runs 89 rbi uh 117 OPS plus 773 OPS like he was really good but like and the home runs are better but like all those numbers are worse than Rutschman last year you know what I mean and that's that's like the best we've seen Santander except just the home runs right yeah right just the home runs are better but everything else and him like the bat is his only tool right he doesn't run he doesn't field right you know so I, I would give him maybe a slight chance. I would definitely say Mullins is a far better chance because he's a good fielder. And if he can figure left-handed pitching out again, that'd be awesome. That'd be a lot of help. So we would like yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of look at that as like almost a sophomore slump. You, you know, like we saw Cedric Mullins, the guy for the first time in 2021. And then I think pitchers figured him out a bit. You know, he was like I agree. still a good player, of course, but... Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. That that was kind of a sophomore slip, despite it being his like fifth year in the league. He had a good WBC too. I mean, yeah, hit home run. He was like a that was nice. Yeah, he plays in left field. Bats, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I go ahead. Oh no, I I was just saying like yeah, I I actually do think Henderson will win the win it despite not being a catcher and all that. Yeah, we'll revisit at the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, let's talk Cy Young for the Orioles. This is a tougher one because I think I think the Orioles starting pitching, it, you know, you doesn't have to go to a starting pitcher, but the starting pitching is the best it's felt going into a season since 2016. Like it's been a while. Yeah, like this, this been a minute group sure. feels better than it has even during the end of the Buck years. Um, Jesse, I think you nailed this with Dean Kramer last year, and I think that's fair to say Dean Kramer was the Orioles best pitcher for the entire season last year. Um, and Tyler and I just laughed when he said that. Yeah. I, know. I mean, you yeah, ridiculed that, me. Yeah. yeah it might've been like, I don't know. <laughs> we should get a clip of it and do it a year ago today, you know? Right. And, <laughs> uh, who did we even say? I don't even know who we said. I can't. John means. Yeah. We both said oh, John okay. means. Well, that's, that's well and, and I, and I said means too, but I was right. Like, but well, you said I could this see outside, a means injury. And, you right. know, like, yeah. So, but you yeah. know, like outside chance for me was like, okay, means gets hurt and it slides down to Jordan Lyles. You know, at the time, Dean Kramer had, well, Dean Kramer was a reliever at the start of the year. He was in the right. He was a reliever the at the start of the year, and <laughs> the season before he had started with us was so unbelievably atrocious that they sent him down to AAA, and yeah. he was bad there. 
you, so, you know, it's like you, you don't have you're, you're explaining your this from a year ago. Like, I, no, I know, so, but like, I'm just like I, I'm marveling. At... You are the mad scientist genius, Jesse. Right? Yeah, okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. So you saw through and, the noise to find the yeah. signal, and then. Yeah. <laughs> Well, do you want to start us off here, Jesse, since you're the yeah, reigning yeah. champion in the category? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Kramer is a decent pick for it, but I'm going to go with Bautista. I mean, I just think despite being a closer, I mean, it, he's just so incredible and so fantastic. And I mean, I don't think any of our starting pitchers will have an ERA under three and a half, probably. So, um you know, Kramer maybe can get, you know, to three or a, a bit above three, but uh, most likely, you know, our starting pitchers won't have uh, an ERA above three and a half, especially uh, with all the rule changes that are happening to help the uh, the hitters, uh, the banning of shifts, et cetera. So, um, yeah, so I, I just think Bautista is going to continue you know, throwing a hundred miles an hour with the disgusting splitter and, uh, you know, post a, a microscopic ERA over the course of the season, you know, blow under five saves over the course of the season, um, and huh? just be dominant blow less than five oh, saves oh, oh, okay. over the course of the season. So, um, I said less, I, and then I I'm, said over the course. Well, uh, I, said I thought under. you said right, I heard below under, yeah, it was oh, a weird way you. to say it. Oh, okay, gotcha. So, um, anyway. yeah, so I just I just think he's like he's, he's great, incredible, and uh, yeah, I think he'll take it. So, yeah, I'll follow up. I, I don't know, I, I think I'm saying this partially just to hopefully give a different answer. Um, I think my logical pick would probably be Felix also. Um, but that said, I'm going Kyle Bradish. He was just so unbelievably good at the end of last year. I His thought stuff... you were going to say Kyle Gibson. I was like, no, oh no, 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 my no, no, God. No. Yeah, I was no. joking. But... Um, His stuff, like in that same, you know, Sarah's article with The Athletic, um, where he shouted out Mike Bauman. Uh, he talked about Kyle Bradish as well. Bradish's stuff has taken a nice jump. I I think that, I don't know what we saw at the end of last year, you know, seeing him go toe to toe with the Astros and shut them down. Um, the back to back starts with him and Kramer. Like that was a version of Kyle Bradish, you know, that I think really, really has a lot of potential. Um, I think that there are some pretty exciting prospects with him. So uh, I'm going to say he puts it all together and walks away with this Cy Young Award by the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, it's a ballsy pick because I think Bradish is like the boomer bust pick of right. this group right. because I do think like there's a lot there to like about him, but I could also very easily see a scenario where he falls apart a little bit and yes. has to like go to Norfolk and figure stuff out for like he yeah. feels like that kind of a guy too. I, I feel uh, I would be remiss if I didn't actually like Mention Grayson. I think that Grayson has some struggles throughout the year. Um, and I think he also like doesn't necessarily accrue enough innings. We've talked about that, but I think he'll get sent down a couple of times just to manage the workload and gear up for a September, October run. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I thought about Bradish, 
Batista makes a lot of sense. I think I might just go for the repeat and say Dean Kramer. It's definitely like a safe pick, but he had a nice, I mean, he, he pitched once in the WBC and it was against Nicaragua. So, you know, it is. Just it is hey, we were there. He was, yeah. you guys witnessed it. Yeah. He was good. He was he good. He was good. Um, All the Israeli pitchers were good that day. Yeah. <laughs> right. They gave Nicaragua up like one, like maybe one a hard team. Hit. So, yeah. right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot there to like. He he really impressed me last year. He just every time out, he competed. He looked good. I remember him being really strong in that uh, Little League World Series game they pitched, they played yeah. in. Yeah, he just really impressed me down the stretch. Every time out to the mound, which is just not what I was expecting from him. His lack of strikeouts do worry me a little bit, um, especially with some of the rules that Jesse just talked about. They're going to hurt him, I think, potentially more than most of the Orioles' other starters, but. Um, I'm just going to go with the consistency there and assume he he continues what he showed last year. And I think I've I've looked at some projections uh, this off season. I think it was Fangraphs Zips projection thinks he's going to be like really good this year, like the Orioles' best starter. Um, so take that for what that's worth. But um, yeah, going to go Dean Kramer. It's wild we're in a situation where you're saying. He- Kramer would be the safe pick out of the group, right? right. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's pretty remarkable because, right, a year ago, you know, we, you probably would have described him as the boom or bust guy that you're describing yeah. Bradish as. I so, didn't think there was any boom <laughs> a year ago, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think, and like you were saying, I mean, I think Bradish is an interesting pick. I think. Tyler is 100% correct to point out he might end up in Norfolk, you know, in a, in a few months. Uh, and I, the starts against the Astros were obviously impressive. Um, and that the, start against the Cardinals earlier in the year, that was impressive right, too. Right, for sure. Were those things a little smoke and mirrors? I do wonder about that, but um, obviously there there's potential there that the Orioles need to explore. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it'd be tough for him to to win the Orioles Cy Young. So, all right, there you go, Eli. Terrible pick, according to Jesse. Well, uh, I'm, let's I'm not saying all that. But... <laughs> well, I mean, we told him he sucks for Gunner, so yeah, for the MVP pick. So that's yeah, fair. well, let's talk rookie of the year. Sure. I will say, I'm not sure we even actually all said that we think Gunner for rookie. Oh, you're doing rookie of the year last. Yeah, we're going to do rookie of the year. This is awful. I'm going <laughs> to shut up right now. Well, I, Jesse's pick, I would imagine, is Gunner for rookie of the year. Do you no, I have someone it? else winning okay. rookie of the year. <laughs> uh, That'd be okay, wild so... if I gave him the Cy Young but, or the, the uh, MVP, but not the rookie of the year. Yeah, I don't know how that would work. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. Who could you even say? Would be rookie of the year. How would that be possible? Yeah. Eli, do you want to give your pick for rookie of the year? Did you say Gunner? Yeah. No, that's it. It, There's really like no explanation necessary, I don't think. (laughs) Not buying into Politi or something like that. No, the only question is Grayson. But yeah, like we've talked about, I think the Grayson's innings will be limited. So I think he'll be up and down a little bit or just restricted in other ways. Gunner's going to be in the lineup every single day, you know, like 145, 150 games out of this year. And he's going to beat up on some major league pitching. Yeah, have to agree. Um, The only other one I feel like we should just mention in this spot is DL Hall, just because of the 
the pedigree of talent that he is. And I could see a scenario where they go, yeah, we want you to be a starter long-term, but let's just put you in the bullpen. And he just like is kind of amazing out there, but that's still not going to be enough to overshadow what Gunner's going to do every single day, regardless of like some of the struggles we've all talked about. I feel, I think Gunner's the obvious pick there for sure. All right. How how do we get DL Hall onto this team this year? I don't know. I really like, it's so crowded. Well, I think, I think you were right earlier when you said that they're going to keep trying the starter thing because it's just, we're, it's just so much more valuable than even a really good bullpen arm. They got to, they got to try it. Um, So I think, this is the last year of that though. So he's going to go down, I think, stretch out, see when a spot can be, can, 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 he can be used in and just hope he performs and kind of figure it out from there. Yeah. But I think like, you know, we've already got all the starting options that we've talked about. John means comes back in July, theoretically, like, I don't know. I just don't know when those spots open up. Yeah. But injuries happen. I, I think the Orioles were like, I mean, the starting pitching got kind of ravaged last year by injuries. We were very, yeah, they were, they were very fortunate to like not completely fall apart. Um, to have Spencer Watkins, <laughs> Spencer Watkins and Austin both come in right. and not be terrible, and Kyle Bradish to kind of figure it out because he was awful for a little while. Yeah, and, and Dean Kramer to come back from the oblique and be like good. I mean, it was kind of miraculous. Does all that happen again this year? I don't know. I doubt it. Grayson's going to probably have to go going to be skipped occasionally. So that gives DL a chance. Yeah. I don't know. I think just the injuries happen and sometimes that presents opportunities for players. Fair Um, enough. All right. Well, let's give our ultimate predictions for the Orioles this year, wins and losses. And I guess also we should add whether they're going to make the playoffs or not. I mean, I guess sometimes from the win loss record, we'll be able to tell that, but I think right now the over-under win total, like the betting line is 76.5, which feels like pretty bad, pretty low. And then I think Pakoda has the Orioles right now winning 74 games. Um, but, Eli, maybe I'll go to you first with what your uh, win-loss total and Orioles season outcome will be. Yeah, first off, I do think it's pretty disrespectful that like the team didn't get worse in any way. We're going to have an easier schedule next year. And I, I I don't know. That's it. Yeah. Like w- we got very, very mildly better through the little moves that we did make and we're going to have an easier schedule because it's more balances here. So I don't know. I, I think I've got the Orioles at, I see like an 85 and 77. I think we're above 500. I don't think we're, I don't know. That might, I'm dropping that down to 84. <laughs> it just felt a little high. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, we haven't been in this territory in a long time. It's right. still so odd to be like, yeah, a winning record, first of all. And then yeah. 85, 85, that would have been playoffs last year or close to it. Yeah. And I think we are close. You know, we had 83 last year and we were close to it. You know, that's what it was. We were close and then we struggled at the very end and, right, and right. fell out of it. Right, we had all the problems so, with the Blue Jays, and right. Yeah, I'll give us one more win this year. I I think that we, as to whether we make the playoffs, I don't think we make the playoffs. I hate to say it. I I, I think we're like around when September rolls around, but I think the rest of the AL East is also very happy about the more balanced schedule, and I think the Rays, the Blue Jays, the Yankees absolutely take off. 
particularly the Blue Jays. I think they're going to go off this year. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Chess, how are you feeling? I agree. Uh, I'm going to pick a different number than Eli. I've actually had this number. Uh, so I'm <laughs> going to say we're going to do the same exact win loss record as <laughs> we're going to go 83 and 79. For some reason, I was thinking last year it was the other way around. And I don't know why I thought that because, yeah, we won 500. But, um, well, you thought yeah, they were 79 and 83? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And I thought this year we were going to, you know, turn that, yeah. basically reverse our win and loss numbers. But, um, yeah, no, I, I have us right, you know, the 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 other teams in our division got slightly better this offseason. And I don't know if the uh, Red Sox got better. Yeah, yeah I don't think that, they did. that that's the one exception. Um because they lost Bogarts. So that I mean that's they got Yoshida from Japan. Right. He might be good. But yeah. I, I'm very especially after watching the WBC, yeah. I'm very intrigued to watch watch him. And I'm really upset he's on the Red Sox, especially after watching him in the WBC. But putting that aside yeah, I mean, the Orioles, you know, we didn't do anything this offseason. I think we're going to be sort of uh, sort of squirming around to figure out positions a little bit and figure out, you know, what our lineup every day is going to look like. And I think there's going to be some adjustments and there are going to be some Austin Hayes, Kyle Stowers things we're going to have to sort through and all that kind of stuff. And uh and then let alone the Frazier and Urias, you know, like second base problem, you know, so we're going to have some issues with that. I think the rotation also, right. I see some issues happening potentially with Bradish, Kyle Gibson. I, I mean, hopefully he gives us innings. Hopefully he's just a durable, reliable piece. I don't, you know, necessarily trust that uh, fully. Um, so, you know, I just think there's a lot kind of up in the air at this point, and uh, I, uh, I don't have us making the playoffs. I have us, uh, eighty three and seventy nine, and um, you know, it's it's sort of gonna feel like somewhat of a a lost year because we could have done a lot more to to make ourselves better, and we didn't. Obviously, there's still opportunity at the deadline, but yeah. I, I feel very similar and I'll I'll go with the same prediction, eighty three and seventy nine, which I know is boring, but a thing is going up on Camden chat next week and that's the that's the record I picked, so I have to stick with it. I can't have two different things. Um yeah, and I think a lot of the same things. I, I know if you look at our runs scored versus runs allowed, we actually allowed more runs than we scored last year. So the eighty three and seventy nine from last year, it wasn't exactly indicative of how well the team was. They were probably a little worse than that, got a little lucky. So I think the team maybe feels a little bit more complete this year, but it might not come out to a difference in the win-loss column. So, yeah, clearly I, I wouldn't have them making the playoffs with that record. Um, but I think we'll still see a lot of positive things. You get the debut of, or of uh, Grayson. That's He might struggle, but I think that's still positive. Gunrat, full season, that's good. Adley, I think, is going to be fantastic again. Um and that kind of rolls into my other prediction for the season, which I think this is going to be the first year since 2016 that the Orioles are going to send more than one player to the All-Star game. I think they're going to wow. send three, and I think it's going to be Rutschman, Bautista, and Santander. Those are my three All-Stars from the wow. Orioles this year. 
pretty big. Yeah. Uh, I had not thought about this question. Oh, you I didn't have to. Either. I just was throwing it no. out. There. <laughs> but but the fact that you threw it out there, now we have to contemplate. Yeah, right. You know? Sorry. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna throw Gunner on just because I think people will be hyped up, and it's a fan vote, and I think he'll right. surprise some people early on before they figure him out. So, Adley, Bautista, and Gunner. Okay, so you have three as well. Interesting. Yeah, I'll go three. Why no Santander? I I think he'll be good. I just don't no. think he'll be an all star. Okay. Fair enough. Um yeah, I mean I, I, I think Adley and I think uh Bautista are basically locks for it. Um I, I don't think there's much uh I don't know if Bautista's a lock. He's very good, but there's no household name recognition yet. Adley has yeah. no household name recognition. Right, but it but it's not a fan vote for the pen. I mean that's fair enough. Yeah. That is right. That's a very good point. I forgot that. <laughs> yeah. Like Damn the managers man. are going and the you know are going to be picking them. So, yeah, I I mean barring an injury or something, I think Bautista is a lock. Um yeah. So Okay. Just so those two. two? Well, yeah, I mean I I think I don't think Henderson uh despite my earlier prediction, I don't think he's going <laughs> to make it. Send conflicting uh, messages. No, no, no. I'm very no, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. I know, Well, I, know. I would but, say the 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 players and coaches don't like to put rookies in the all-star game. It doesn't right. feel like to me. So Yeah. Well, there, there's that. And then as far as Santander, uh, I mean, just I think he's not going to just because the DH position is, is a hard one to get. So I think he'd have to be one of the, like, you know, one of the four finalists to get voted on by fans or something like that yeah. in, order, in order to sneak on. So it's fair enough. All right. Yeah. Cool. Well, what a depressing way to end it. None of us think they're going to the playoffs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we should have led with that. I know. Damn it. You guys could have turned the podcast off early. Right. Um, well, I mean, we should have talked about it. One yeah, we of didn't us even talk said, to each other. No, you know, I, I mean, we could have had one of us insert like, well, no, I actually think we're going to win 94 games. And, uh, you know. Are I you think talking about artificial uh, confrontation? Yeah, artificial predictions. Yeah. Right. What do you think? Yeah. This is ESPN? Just, it's called content creation, okay? Right. Hey, I mean, at least our uh, listeners can rely that we are going to be honest. We're not going to be deceive them and get them hyped up and get them listening to our podcast because we're going to be really good this year. No, we're just going to give them the truth. We're going to be very and, mediocre and boring. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. So, um, right. yeah. And then next year when, you know... A, we want to make our team better then we can after we've signed them... Shohei Otani. Yeah, exactly. Then yep. we could give them a better prediction, you know. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. If if you guys want better, more interesting predictions, tell right. Michael Elias to sign Shohei Otani to a five hundred million dollar contract. <laughs> yeah, it's right. that Literally. yeah. For sure. That'd be it'd be that simple. So all right, yeah. cool. Well, I'm I'm excited about the season anyway, even though none of us think they're going to the playoffs. Um, I am too. I am us. too. Yeah. And, and right, I mean, even even if we don't go to the playoffs, like we are going to have an exciting brand of baseball this year. Yes, so that's there, really good to look forward to. There are a lot of reasons to be happy to be an Orioles fan this year, so that's awesome. Yeah, um, cool. And one of those reasons is this podcast. I think hopefully, um, so make I think sure we're, you're, you're. I think you're we're connected. a positive contribution. Yeah, and we crossed the 500 follower threshold. I think over the winter, which was a big deal eli's uh running the show over there so thank you for that 
Um, and if you guys aren't following us, you should go over to Twitter at the warehouse pod. Um, you can also email us the warehouse pod at gmail.com. We will try and sift through the spam that that's going to Florence in our email inbox. It's just a disaster, but yeah, I don't get it at all. (laughs) I don't know who Florence is, how this happened. She signed us up for all kinds of stuff and we get a ridiculous amount of email every day, but uh, you can email us and we'll figure it out. Um, and yeah, definitely the biggest of all is subscribe to the show, uh, on Apple podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can go to thewarehousepod.substack.com um, and uh, subscribe to us that way, and we'll go to your email inbox. But um, yeah, guys, that's all we got. Um, we're going to try to get you with weekly episodes this year. Uh, we're working on that internally to get that sorted out. So uh, subscribe and uh, come back every week for your Orioles content. But uh, until then, you have been listening to The Warehouse Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jesse. And I'm Eli. And let's go O's. <laughs>